0: hello everybody and welcome to the html all the things podcast episode 31 when to pivot just a quick reminder we are still ad free and it would help us out a lot if you could give us a review and a follow on the platform that you are listening to this on make sure you share to tell your friends about the show so we can grow our audience but without, with that out of the way, I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. What have you been up to this week, Mike? Yeah,
1: Matt. Uh, so this week, did a little bit of HTML of the Things stuff, finally. I uh, got a Git Essentials blog post up on Medium and our website, com. so check it out there. Um, but other than that, I've been doing what I've been usually doing, just focusing hard on the contracting work and our biggest client. Uh crazy amounts of planning, a lot of information architecture stuff that I've been doing, uh, some really cool stuff that I might be making an article about in the future. So stay tuned. What about you, Matt?
0: Uh, Yeah, so I've been helping you guys out uh, with that type of thing. And then we scored a couple of local jobs. uh, So we've been helping those people, those guys out. And uh, on my, on my end, the project is, you know, kind of coming to fruition. We've handed over a demo of the product so there's like kind of one of every feature done at this point and so you know nothing's polished some stuff's broken obviously but that's kind of where we're at right now so the the customer's kind of experiencing it and asking for you know feedback here and there and asking for things like or they're giving feedback rather and asking for changes uh here and there so that's kind of where i'm at right now um as well so a lot of a lot of client work for us uh and that's uh, that's really good because that means we have a, a good financial base for the month's to the months coming up ahead. Um, however, for this episode, I'm going to go through, like we always do, the segments. So, segment number one, our pivots. Segment number two, pivoting a project. Segment number three, pivotal paralysis with the jack of all trades. And that'll become more clear as we go through the episode, as well as our recurring segment, web news. So, just a really brief introduction to what we're talking about here when we talk about a pivot we're talking about how like let's say a project is supposed to be a calculator and then suddenly becomes a scientific calculator so the project's main goal or parts of that main goal are changed in some way that result in you know more development more graphical design more planning more everything potentially it really depends on the changes you're doing but basically you are straying from that original plan to change the end goal in some way and we've been through some and everyone else has been through some of course and with that i'm going to toss it over to mike to go through segment number one
1: okay matt uh so segment number one are pivots so as matt was saying a pivot is kind of a change in in plans that's kind of how i like to see it and it can happen not only on a project level but on a whole business scheme level and we've gone through a fair share of our own uh in this segment i'm going to talk about two of the main pivots that we did throughout the years of our uh you know our web, de- web development business being around. So when first starting out, uh, it's important to be open to all avenues to you. Uh, and in our case, we kind of chose to do IT and web design and web development uh, at, right from the get-go So right out of college, those are the kinds of two avenues we decided to fully go down because that's kind of where we had our most largest experience as well as potential clients right away, right off the bat. Um, Although we did get a few IT clients, uh right off the bat, right at the beginning, we also realized that we kind of preferred the web design route, the web development route. Uh we like the client interactions more on that side, we like the work more on that side, so we kind of started leaning towards the web development side. And eventually we landed a larger web development account. Uh that's the larger large large contract account that we keep talking about with uh with Azar from Content Link that's been on our show actually. Um and so at the same time as landing that account in the same kind of you know realm of time uh we actually had a chance to take on a medium sized it contract for a medical clinic um and this is when we had our first big like change that we had to do like decide what do we pivot to uh this was when we decided to go fully into the web development side uh, instead of trying to keep both sides up and try to, you know, do a half-assed product on both sides, we went, you know what, let's, we like web development. We like doing these kinds of cl- cl- like client interactions. Uh, the IT stuff, we, you know, we had our ups and downs with, I would say. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that scared, that that maybe not scared us, but had us, you know, worried was that we wouldn't be able to fully focus on this larger client that we just got, uh, that we had, we saw a lot of potential with. And that was a correct assumption at the time, to be honest, because, you know, we're still working with them. And it's only gotten more, you know, more involved and larger amounts of work being being thrown at us. So definitely not a bad decision at that point. Uh, But what we'd have to give up is the chance that maybe we wouldn't be able to support them as much because we'd have this medium IT IT uh, business that we'd have to support as well at the same time, you know, with a with a medical clinic, if a server goes down at any time of night, because they're a 24 hour medical clinic, you have to be on the next car, like in your car and up and up there to help them or some, some way of supporting them. So you, you're kind of, you, that's always in the back of your mind in an IT job, especially if you're, you know, supporting an entire clinic. Um, and so even though obviously the money was probably good on that front and we we maybe could have managed it at least for a little while to do both we decided no we're going to pivot and focus just on web development and from then on uh, I would say we started to kind of get out of the smaller IT client business. Uh, we didn't purposely, you know, just cancel any of our contracts with people because people were continually paying paying us and asking us for questions. But we never really pursued any new IT contracts, and uh, we we didn't take on any new IT clients from that point on. So that was kind of our first and largest pivot at the time, uh, and it really it it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking. Anytime you do a, a large change and anytime you kind of give away a, a a potential opportunity, uh, you kind of have that like, what if scenario in the back of your mind. And the main thing that I took away from that is to kind of, to either to learn from that, what if scenario. So instead of, you know, always thinking about the fact that, oh, we could have been this IT business. I kind of thank ourselves for choosing the other path because obviously it led to a lot of things it led to a lot of interesting clients led to a lot of interesting work and uh i, I realized like uh, the more and more, the more i work with the web development side the more that i'm happy i did not go down that it side so i try to think of the positives of the decisions that we make and especially when they're this big um and so the next thing we did another pivot so re- this was a more recent pivot and you're, you're probably well aware of it um so the the choices leading up to it were, uh, either trying to continue to expand the service side of our industry. So getting more contracts, getting more, uh, web development business, or to start focusing on a different platform and a different way to create revenue. And that was a more passive way of creating ele- revenue by having that developer co- by generating and creating a developer community and helping a developer community flourish, trying to like, Kind of as well as give back to the developer community, learn from them, and uh, potentially in the future profit from that uh, relationship that we were creating. So this was, of course, as as you know, this was uh, what started html the things so you're listening to us on like this is our i think 30 31st podcast episode Uh obviously we have fully went into this decision where we kind of we do still maintain our web development contracts but we're not fully looking and you know not advertising ourselves out there to get any more thankfully our you know Our previous contracts had enough word of mouth, and we did continually keep getting like you know smaller contracts one after the other. So the the web develop the web contract side of this business is still supporting us. Uh, We haven't really generated any revenue from HTML of the things. Uh, That's why at the start of this episode we kind of self-plugged ourselves a little bit, um, just because we you know we we want to generate more content for you guys. And we want to, you know, get our community to grow larger. And the only way to do that is if everyone kind of helps out. And thank you so much for obviously listening to us. That's been a huge motivation. And all the people that have reached out uh, with all the positive feedback uh, have been really, really motivational for us to keep going. So that's kind of where we're at with the whole this pivot. Uh, it's an early pivot. So we I can't tell you for sure how it works out sometimes you just don't know uh how a pivot will work out while especially while you're do it while you're in the middle of a pivot um but I'm definitely very happy with this decision and I really like th- what we're doing with the community and I you know HTML things has been a great out way for me to interact with the community that I ha- didn't have before and a great way for me to give back and uh you know get some awesome advice from you guys as well um so that's kind of the two pivots that we had. And there were situations also when we didn't pivot. Uh, and these situations con- constantly will arise. Obviously, like uh, choosing to pivot is probably um, a lesser outcome in every in one of these situations, because all the time you're coming up with there's opportunities to to do stuff. There's opportunities to change the way you're doing things. Uh, you know, you, you you think of something and you kind of like, oh, at one point, you're just full bore into that idea and you really want to get it done. Uh, but there's some times when you got to hold yourself back and not pivot. Um, For better or for worse, this is kind of a hard decision to make because again, that opportunity cost, you don't know if you're losing an opportunity by not doing something, but really you have to be very firm with your decisions. And sometimes you have to say, no, I need to stick to the path that I'm on. And an example of this is um, when we were kind of in the middle of starting out, we created a HTML5 based game called Clicks to Riches. And it was a great time. We kind of Got together with a with a game uh, designer, and he created all the art assets for us, and we created a game design document, and we went through like the whole process of creating a game, launching it on on the Chrome Web Store. It doing you know okay. It got featured in, in a, the first couple of weeks. It was out on the on the on the front page, so that was kind of a cool thing to see. And it was our first game, so we weren't expecting too too much from it. Um, recently, I looked back at it. Actually, you could still download it on the Chrome Web Store if you have a Chrome OS device. Uh, it's free now we've, we've released it for free, it has no ads in it, so check it out if you want. Uh, it's uh, you know it's not benefiting us in any monetary way so it's kind of just there. Uh, but it has about 2,000 active users at any any given time at this point, which is you know more than I thought to be honest when we were first creating it. but the point of this is that when we first created it, we really liked that whole process and we started talking about maybe we should create more games. maybe we should almost be, like a HTML5 based game studio um and we looked at this path analytically and we kind of came to the conclusion that um it wouldn't it, it's an extremely high risk and the reward is too far off so our our potential to create to generate income seemed like it was years away rather than the potential you know if, if it was only a couple months away maybe it would have been a less risk issue but it in any way that we looked at it is just like we want to do this. It really was a fun experience and we learned a lot, but, uh, we should just stick to the service industry and stick to trying to get more web contracts and stuff like that. Um, and so with that, that really ends the discussion with our pivots. Obviously we had more pivots along the way. We changed, you know, a couple ways we do things. We've, We've gone to different, uh, in in different projects, we've changed different features, but I'll kind of segue that into Matt's segment now, uh, unless he has something else to add to mine.
0: I don't think I have a comment. like that covers, <clears throat> excuse me, our pivots rather well, but I will say that um, describing our pivots is, is a good introduction, kind of a preface to mine, because a lot of the segments I'm about to describe uh, is going to kind of sound like pivoting is really bad, but what I want to kind of drive home is that pivoting is something to not be taken lightly. And I'm going to get into that in this pivoting can be great. And obviously, it's led us to today. And possibly if we didn't take some of those pivots along the way, we could be either overworked or in a totally different field or just be out of business in general. So just keep in mind that pivoting can absolutely be the only option you have or it could be a good option you have. But it, it's a decision not to be taken lightly so with that i'm going to jump into these segments um which is that generally when you're first coming up a pro coming up with a project uh you'll list all the ideas features and systems that will be included either at release or down the road and these features generally are categorized into various groups and they are the some of the common ones we have listed here are the mvp so all the vital features that are needed to make the project function or solve the problem that it's out to solve. Uh, you also have another one which is the first update, so some features that are close to vital and just didn't quite make the cut, or maybe they're really easy to implement and will be added to the project soon after release via an update. Uh, and then the last one here would be wishlist, so features that would be you know cool to have in the project but aren't vital to its core functionality, something like that. So. Theming or something like that with that uh, calculator app idea that I had in the beginning. Something like that would be like a wish list item, like, hey, like we can have this calculator app and we can also make it scientific. Okay, well, let's not add all that work to it. Let's have that on the wish list. So Pivoting a project is not a decision to be taken lightly, and whenever you pivot a project's direction, it almost always adds a bunch more work to the original plan, and typically some of those wish list features are bubbled up to the MVP um, or first updates category. Pivoting at any stage of a project can yield some terrible results, so for example at the beginning, you might end up pivoting before or during the first days of development, and then that will just throw off the entire plan that you made and can render any work, even though it's probably not much, but any work that was done just completely useless. And that's just wasted hours at that point or later on in the project. So if you're pivoting, when there's a bunch of work is already complete, it can completely disrupt the development procedure. It can ultimately derail a development cycle. So for example, if a QA team is, has like a plan to start testing everything and they have like, you know, they have, they have their test plan all ready to go. That can completely ruin what they wanted to test, and then now their whole plan is derailed, and it just really messes things up, and I think this really affects larger teams more than it does smaller teams, but it's still something to keep in mind. Um, Oftentimes too, this will, pivoting later on, will often result in features that will be undercooked, or just have a generally a less quality product because it hasn't been tested enough, you kind of get it, right? You still want to meet your deadline, but you you wanted to add a bunch of features, it's really like an incompatible situation. So on the flip side, uh, sometimes pivoting can have some great results. Like I mentioned, uh, bef- you know maybe you can have a better product that is more fitted to the marketplace. And you know market shift all the time, needs shift. You know products change, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So sometimes you need to make need to pivot to make that better product. Uh, more features that were initially thought to be useless, but then ended up being vital in some way. So maybe some maybe other apps came out, some co- some competing apps came out that you know they they released with five features and you only had three in that category and people thought that those five were really great. Okay, now those are essentially vital. Now you need to kind of keep keep up. And with that, uh matching or beating a competitor's offering where the original MVP wasn't capable of doing so. So whether they had that theming thing, whether their calculator app had the scientific thing, scientific functionality in there. Okay, maybe we have to make our basic calculator into a scientific calculator. That's no longer a part of the wish list. That type of thing. Ultimately, pivoting is something that will come up on many projects, but you should be resistant to it. Uh, Ensure that the reasons for pivoting far, and I I do mean far outweigh the reasons for keeping the project the way it is. There is a great value in sticking to a plan because people get familiar with it and know what to expect. Changing said plan can result in just just plain chaos for the development team. And again, that's typically for larger teams, but again, again, something to keep in mind. So for example, and something that we've done is we slightly pivoted the No BS News uh, app. So due to Google's Google Play's new PWA application system that allows for PWAs to more easily be put into the Google Play Store, um, as, a result, as a result of this change, we decided it best to have some offline features and to tie up any loose ends. So right now, as you know, No BS News for Reddit was a part of our coding challenge. If you've listened to previous episodes, uh, we kind of like finished that coding challenge. And then the app, it's just sort of sitting online. You can try it out, but it's just basically sitting there in a demo state. It's not fully complete. It's just kind of sitting there and it is functional according to the challenge. However, with these changes, now we'd like to actually pivot it and make it a full PWA and actually get it out there. And so the benefits that we see by doing this is there is better exposure and better marketing on Google Play. So it's what I would call a discovery engine. So if people are typing in Reddit, now we can be discovered in the Google Play, uh, in the Google Play Store or the Google Play Market, whatever you'd like to call it. You can be discovered in there and it's, not, it's no longer a matter of someone going directly to the website. Um, in addition, more functionality will be added to make it Function like a real app that relies on the internet, but caches some of its data it already has. So what I mean by that is, let's say you log into the, let's say you have Wi-Fi, you already have the app installed. You then go into uh, the, just the generic news category. You download, I think it's, I forget how many headings it is. Maybe it's 20 headlines. You download the 20 headlines or whatever there is. And then you put your device for whatever reason in airplane mode. Sure, you can't click on those, on those links and read those stories, but we're going to try to cache those, Headlines um, via Service Worker to to have a little bit of offline functionality because right now it's just kind of blank and kind of weird looking, obviously because it's offline. Um, So you're kind of crippling the app, but we want it to still be partially functional, just like a regular app would be. Um, It's also going to kind of push us to finish this project. So we got really busy with client work, as we've said. So obviously we had a good excuse uh, to not be finishing the uh, this project, but this is going to give us a really great excuse to do it and in addition to or speaking of client work, we actually have a, a need to learn a bit of service work, service worker, just uh, like general R&D stuff for a uh, client coming up in the coming weeks. So this way I'm going to, try to research the service workers over the next two, three weeks, trying to get like a grasp of what's going on, maybe try to implement it myself, maybe with some with Mike's help. And we're going to try to get a little bit of offline functionality working. And then we finished our app and we have the research done uh, for our future client work project. So those are kind of the reasons why we decided to pivot. And as you can see, they're kind of like monumental changes, right? Google Play, client work came in we can finish this project finally so that's why we're sort of pivoting this project and to be clear this is a really minor pivot it's like we're going to finish an app and then use a new system but it's still but a pivot nonetheless um so now moving on to the next segment unless mike has any comments about this one
1: Uh, no i think you covered that pretty well
0: okay so segment number three Um, is going to be pivotal paralysis with the jack-of-all-trades. And so, as I mentioned in brief before, it's often very difficult to stay focused within the tech industry given that there are so many positions and so much crossover between them. So when you're running a small business or a startup, oftentimes you need to wear multiple hats within the company in order to keep it afloat. And these multiple hats result in experience and exposure to several segments of the tech industry that provide useful skills for sure, but also provide a bunch of distractions. And whenever you have an experience, you have experience in a given area, it's hard to focus on the one you're working on. So for example, if you're working on making the UI for an app and you have a little bit of Photoshop experience, you might get distracted for that entire day that you're supposed to be making the UI and you might be editing icons that weren't in the project's original schedule. And that will often result in a late and possibly rushed UI development cycle and obviously uh, possibly a lesser product. So distractions aren't great for a project's development, but these distractions can easily evolve into project pivots. So, if you're if you're developing an application that focuses on calculations, but you have experience in graphic design, you might get distracted from the original goal of making a simple UI that allows the user to complete calculations. And instead, you might pivot the project such that it has a whole theming system and a bunch of cool UI elements that look nice, but introduce a bunch of graphical and UI work that will stall out the development and isn't really vital to the project being constantly distracted by things that you have knowledge of is a is really a constant plague of the tech industry because so many people have experience in at least a few of these segments with so much crossover and it's important to keep the keep to the plan uh wherever you can avoid scheduling mishaps missed deadlines etc etc personally i find that the jack of all trades with pivoting issue normally crops up in the earlier parts of a project because everything is still being flushed out and designed so it's so easy just to just flip to this essentially flip a switch and move a list feature into the MVP. And before you know it, you have a bloated app that has a bunch of new features in there that will that will ultimately arrive late might not be tested as much as you'd like because it all had to be rushed to try and meet that deadline. So, to be clear here, stick to the plan wherever possible, but keep in mind that the plan isn't written in stone. Just stay really close to it and make the plan hard to change. Pivoting is both a blessing and a curse it can really help you it can really destroy you and so that's sort of that's sort of the end of my segment Uh, i i know it was kind of like a brief segment because pivoting is kind of an easy thing but it is very important especially when planning a project because it's just it's such a like a tumultuous thing it's something that's so easily so easily done as mike knows we we've we've gotten distracted by features on apps we've like half developed apps and then moved on to different ones and then haven't completed those apps we've like half done application processes and then just didn't do it we've had like full meetings like hour-long meetings or even more about doing something and then it just hasn't happened etc 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 so This is exactly, this is exactly why we want to bring this up. This is really, really critical when you're planning, especially your own projects. And this is why a lot of the time there's a project management team or a project manager that tries to keep everything in line because he only cares about the plan and the people developing should only be caring about developing for the most part. Um, So... We actually have a quite a quite a long web news this week. I'm gonna let Mike introduce it because I think this one's gonna spark a lot of conversation because it does span a lot of different controversial topics
1: yeah for sure uh so this week's web news uh community moderation um so you might have already heard, but uh, with the newest ad apocalypse, so that's the what's happening on YouTube now because of the sexually illicit comments that are appearing on videos with underage kids in them. Um, and what does this mean? Like, what, what does this adpocalypse again mean for all the future platforms like YouTube or even the internet as a whole? That's kind of what the, communi- the, the talk that I want to have right now, because it's a tough one to do, to be honest. Um, so from pretty much the beginning of the internet, anytime a community has taken off, so anytime a community has gotten large, it inevitably has pockets of this illegal or, you know, nefarious behavior. Um, it's happened, you know, on Reddit. It's happened on YouTube. It's happened on all the forums, like many, many forums across, you know, across the whole entire time span of the internet. So usually, even though the community does ha- do its best or has some sort of, you know, stop in place, uh, especially if it's a large community like YouTube, like Google, um, it, it just it gets blamed on the monitors. Like when, whenever something like this happens, no one really blames the people that are doing it because they're like, oh, you know, people will be people. They'll always do illegal stuff. But the pe- the people that are blamed are like the YouTubes and the Googles and, you know, the people that are hosting all of this content technically on their servers, even though they aren't the ones obviously writing any of this content, even though they aren't the ones like promoting it or anything like that. Um, so community moderation seems like it's a pretty much, it's pretty much impossible, especially for, uh, let's talk about like a smaller community that might have, have to battle something like this, that doesn't have YouTube's money, that doesn't have Google's money t- or Facebook's money to battle this. Like it's, it, it, it'll get to the point and it is getting to the point where it's impossible for someone, for a small community, uh, or a small community that's becoming larger, to fight something like this on a case by case basis because you know you're talking millions of communications back and forth millions of posts um so what do you do like what what is the end all where is this going like where is this like control of of the i guess of the internet of the content that's that's held on the internet going um that that's it's a really tough problem to even state in my opinion like it's it's tough to you know, to try to draw the line on where, you know, moderation, heavy moderation is needed. Like, uh, where you kind of look, look at everyone's posts case by case. Uh, you know, you're really in people's business at that point. Like you're, you're kind of doing like a, a CSIS or a, you know, a CIA style, like full on deep dive into your own user's content and your own user's like intentions and stuff like that. Is that really a point where, uh, where we want to be so people will always find ways to post terrible and illegal content uh who is it on to moderate this that's one of the questions that i want to talk about uh once we go down the rabbit hole of severe moderation what will the internet look like in the future and if we are in the wild west of the internet days right now where you know kind of anything goes and people are trying to moderate it as they are like companies have their own way of moderation uh, what will the civilized days or, you know, the, the progression of the wild West turn in, turn the internet into, and is that really a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, What is the future of the internet essentially with all this stuff happening in the public's eye now? So it used to happen a lot, a lot more like kind of in the dark side of the internet, but now bam, YouTube's getting hit by this like consistently. So now that it's in the public's eye, what will happen that's that's kind of my question so i'll pass it off to matt uh to give his input on this
0: it's kind of interesting because i recently had a conversation about this with another friend um offline and we were discussing uh, he had presented the scenario of a bulletin board and he said that you know so if if a if a hosting platform takes off a website that they don't agree with in some way and like, let's take that away. Let's like take it out of the digital space and let's bring it into the physical bulletin board thing. And let's say you own a cafe. And I'm paraphrasing what he was saying, but let's say you own a cafe and you, you put, you have a bulletin board there and somebody comes up and puts like an anti something ad that you don't like, an anti something or just, just something you don't agree with, whatever the heck it is. You don't agree with this ad and you go over and like, you as the owner of said cafe, you can go and rip that ad down. And he was saying like, well, do you agree with that person being able to rip that ad down? And I said, yes. And he said, then why wouldn't you agree with the fact that somebody who's hosting somebody can take them offline? And what I'm saying is, is that like I'm in the camp of, I prefer more of a free Wild West approach. Um, But I'm not saying that people are doing this illegally. Like obviously YouTube and all these big giants are, private essentially they're private property that we're allowed to use as as users, and they're able to take things offline as as needed essentially like it oh, we don't like this to take it offline. I'm not saying that what they're doing is illegal, I just don't agree with them doing it when it's supposed to at least in least to my opinion supposed to be sort of an open internet and open platform, and we're just using these websites and that type of thing and one of the things that I one of the examples that I presented to him was. So in Ontario here where we live, um, I I think it's the majority, I don't think it's all, but the, a lot of the power, the electricity that's provided for buildings is provided by a company called Hydro One. And let's just say, you know, let's just say hypothetically, you know, you're driving down the road and there's, there's a bunch of buildings, you know, houses and everything, and they all have electricity, obviously, they got the lights on at night, and you drive by a building that you don't like maybe they're they're some sort of club you don't like some sort of establishment that you don't like and they have their lights on is that or is that electricity assuming it's you know obviously wired into the grid and not off the grid no details like that let's just say it's wired right into the grid you could see it is that electricity indicative of an endorsement from hydro one no that's outrageous and i would say that it's in that same camp Because, like, to me, like, people get upset about things, but that's, like, obviously, like, I get upset about things, you get upset about things, everyone gets upset about something. And the issue that comes in here is, this is not five or six, you know, posts a day. This is a lot of videos being uploaded to YouTube. Hours of videos being uploaded to YouTube. These aren't 10-second videos. These are a lot of videos that have a lot of, like, a, a super long length, right, They got to find the people who are uploading movies illegally. They got to find the people that are uploading illegal content in general. They got to find the people that are doing things, um, questionably, like whether there's like a lot of swearing in there or like whatever they're trying to moderate, they need to moderate it. And this goes the same with Facebook and everything else. And sure, like some of these, some of these companies practices could have been, could be fixed up. It could be whatever, but ultimately I'm in the camp of like, I, I separate I separate what people write on Facebook from Facebook, in my opinion, for as, as an, like it's, if, if Mike writes something inappropriate on Facebook, the court of public opinion in general, if it gets discovered, will basically attack Mike. And that's like a self policing. Why is it that Facebook gets turned to and told, Hey, you got to like shut this down. Now there's some other cases about Facebook being paid for ads and that type of stuff. I'm not getting into that crap because I don't understand all that stuff that happened with politics and that type of thing i'm not talking about that i'm talking about people the general populace posting things on facebook i don't think facebook is necessarily responsible for that now there's some cases in which something shouldn't be posted like if they're physically posting something illegal on there and they're like doing something illegal or they're trying to like sell drugs on there or something there's a limit to everything and i think the question that we all have is where, or at least people in my camp, I think, is where is the line? And I think that people in the opposite camp where they're like, oh, we should, you know, remove anything that society deems unworthy or unnecessary or, you know, bad in some in some capacity. If the Pu- court of public opinion says X thing, whatever it is, is bad, it should be pulled off the platform. And I don't necessarily agree with that because, like, it's it's not necessarily freedom of speech in terms of legality like obviously freedom of speech is like you know you can say what you want against the government is essentially what it is here right in canada i can say i don't like the government i could call them idiots if i wanted to i could call them whatever i really want right but it's illegal to threaten them so there's still like that little bit of like there's still like that regulation in there so that's what i'm saying is why doesn't facebook posts, for example, and I'm, there's a bunch of other platforms, of course, but let's take Facebook for that example. Again, why isn't Facebook just being held to that standard? Why is Facebook being looked at and being like, Hey, pull all this stuff off, you know, and, and they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily the ones, a part of this ad apocalypse, but I wanted to like, kind of take it off of the, you know, the YouTube scene because the YouTube scene is a rather complicated scene, but it's the same type of thing, you know, posting a text post with, you know, maybe a link in there or something, or like posting just a straight up a YouTube video is essentially the same thing. It's still the act of you creating something or taking something and posting it online. And to me, if it's not going against those laws, like if you're not threatening other people physically and stuff like that, then why, like, if you don't like it, just walk away from it because where, again, where is that line? What happens when, like, I'm kind of a fan. Or I am a fan of like old at old '80s action movies. I just like those. I just like that genre. A lot of those movies have like little tropes and little cultural things in there that are kind of considered unacceptable today. But these are from the '80s, so of course they're going to be different because society moves as we go. And the real question comes into is, are we going to have to ban '80s movies from platforms because people? see the see like things that we don't do anymore in there like is that is that what's going to happen like the old james bond movies could be seen as pretty sexist and we're like a less sexist society now but so do we have to ban those old james bond movies now like "No, no 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 one can see those that's restricted content like do we have to do that do we have to ban those from netflix and anything where they could appear do we have to have regulation that stops that in my opinion no like we have a rating system that's put in place. You have reviews you could look at, you know what things are rated R. whatever. You could look at reviews, ratings, you can read the summary. If it's something you, that doesn't interest you, move along. But if that movie is doing something illegal, like threatening somebody, then yeah, okay, pull it. That makes sense. It's that's you know that that's that, you now you've crossed a clear line. But
1: but so I uh, I know I know where you're coming from. Um, the, the, my, my issue is that that line, like the illegal line, right? So we're like the the whole YouTube adpocalypse thing, uh, borders on illegality because it's talking like it's, it's, it's not, some of it is not bordering. It's straight up illegal, the stuff that people are posting. It's mostly in the comments, uh, but some of it also borders on illegality, right? Because it's like you're you're talking about like sexually illicit topics about children. You're not really saying direct illegal stuff, but you're like you know it's it it is terrible stuff. What what people are doing in those comments. But the problem is is that that's happening you know all across the internet. Like the internet as a whole is filled with cesspools of that stuff yeah. of like extreme illegal things. Right now, like it bubbles up onto like a big main stream platform. Now, now people are looking at it, but realistically this is happening across, you know, almost all the platforms out there at all times at this point with the technology we have, we can't stop it. How, but so the problem that I see is without like, you know, ridiculous inter like going into people's privacy laws and trying, you know, figuring out who a person is and stopping that person at the source or something like that. Something extremely kind of illegal at this point uh, and against human rights. I don't see any way of policing the internet to a point where we get rid of all that stuff and we only keep the good stuff on there. You know what I mean? Like we only keep it. And the good stuff in my my eyes is not uh, necessarily like the the argument that you're having with, you know, 80s, the 80s movies, stuff like that. And that, that, that is like, that, that is a good argument to have. And I have some input on that as well. But the thing that the the thing that I can't get past is how do you stop the actual illegal stuff? Like how, who's responsible for that illegal stuff? Like, so if, if it's being uploaded on YouTube, in, you know, or people are posting in the comments on YouTube, that means that my, the next thing that I can think of logically for pe for, for advertisers, I guess, to, to trust YouTube again would be YouTube just being like, okay, well, we're going to disable comments. Um, and we'll disable all, uh, at like advertising revenue on, you know, any sort of content that has children in it to not even risk the situation. Right. So, like, that's one thing that YouTube could do, and I could see them, like, that's a realistic thing that they could do is disable comments and and stop all advertising content on, a kid, like, child stuff to not promote any sort of child, you know, child modeling, child, uh, you know, even, like, child baseball games, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, anything with a child will have stupid, ridiculous people going in the comments and talking terrible, terrible things in there. That's kind of what, what this has brought up now because people inherently like there's just so many people that just do this kind of stuff and like how do you police that without being very authoritarian authoritarian about it like as this becomes in the public eye in my opinion the 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 internet will become more and more a closed community type situation where like you'll have to be a very identifiable person in a community. Like it'll become very much less anonymous, less wild West and very much more deliberately, uh, you know, personal. Like you will have to be a person on the internet. You can't be an anonymous figure anymore. That's where I see the internet going within like, maybe, you know, it might take 20, 30, hundred years. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like technically at, if you're one of those, a person that's, in favor of the open internet and a person that's in favor of free speech or it's not even like it is a free speech debate as well, I think. Um, but if you're a person in that, in that state of mind, I think we're living in the glory days of the internet right now. And it's eventually going to get closed down to a point where it's kind of very, very much monitored and very like the government, the government will have control. The the large businesses will have the control. Like we were talking about before with the uh, net neutrality laws going away, like you know, companies will be able to sell you a package that has Facebook in it. I think that that is something that will probably happen within like a 10, 15, 20 year period. I don't know how you could stop that. I think it's important for, for us right now to all know that this is where like kind of things could be going. And if we are, if we want to stop it, you know, there's, you would have to write to our part, like members of parliament. And if you're in the States, your senators and stuff like that uh, to somehow, you know, slow this down or stop it. Like, it's just, I don't, but the, the problem is, is I can't give a solution. Like I, I don't have, I'm, I see the problem. Like I see where kind of the advertisers are coming from on YouTube side, right? Like, so YouTube, the advertisers don't want their ads to be shown on videos containing comments about, you know, pedophilia and sexual content. They don't want that. Like that kind of makes sense to me. And on, on, and then on YouTube, like on YouTube side, you can see that they're, they're kind of like in a situation where they, they need to either invest a lot more money in monitoring. I guess that's their, that's their case. But like a smaller company won't have that op- opportunity. They won't have that option to be able to monitor everything that they do. So the pro like the illegal side of it is very hard to solve in my opinion. And I don't see it. I don't see it being solved completely un- until the internet is a closed down source. Like it's controlled at all the endpoints and stuff like that, which I I hope doesn't happen. Um, But I don't see it. Like I don't see it being solved. And I, it's, it's a scary topic. Like it's a scary to- topic to talk about, especially for us web developers, right? Like if, if the internet becomes a closed down source, that's web development income will go down because there will be less opportunity to create something new on the internet. Um, So that that's another aspect of like, you know, Kind of selfish think- thinking, but really, we we do have to think about that in the future as well. Uh, your other topic, though, I want to address what you said, Matt, on the whole free speech thing, um, where a com- should a company have should a company take down uh, a site like a, a hosting company like HostGator or something if they have if if the owner of that company is a single owner of that company and he sees a site with with uh, that that's being hosted on their servers that has opposite views of him opposite political views i'm not going to get into what political views and stuff like that but something that's opposite of what he has and he takes it down uh i, I technically you're right it is within his right to take it down 100% uh, because he's it's a private industry he owns that company um what is the alternative though like if you you what you're saying is is that he shouldn't have that right or what you're saying is should we develop another system like I don't know, a government-run internet hosting system that has the free speech aspect on top of it. Uh, so that even if, like, let's say, you know, there's a bunch of private industry people, there's at least one system where free speech is allowed up to, like, you know, the illegality of it. That's a separate topic that we talked about. But, like, any any topic, any any political side, any crazy extreme, like, most of the time, the stuff that's getting taken down is is declared extremist. Whether it be left extremist or right extremist, I don't know. uh, But like it is an extremist point of view. So there has to be a place where people can post their extremist point of views and not be taken down. Um, Is that kind of like, are you thinking of a, in general area to allow people to post this? Or are you saying that a company shouldn't have the right to take it down?
0: Well, first off, I just want to say that um the reason why I took my examples away from the YouTube situation is because YouTube is in a really bad spot with the whole child stuff. Like that stuff's messed up. And okay. like I think in general in general people hopefully don't want that stuff on there and I would personally remove that. Like okay. I would be like okay, you can't you can't be saying this. Like you know, some of it's illegal, maybe it's borderline. You can't be saying this. Like that's like that is as a society, I think we have generally decided that it's unacceptable to say those type of things about kids. Like, get... Like, okay, stop. You know what I mean? Just just stop is the only thing I have to say about that. Like, um... The thing is, is that in terms of, like, a general law... Because law has to be very general. Um, and... So, like... With your question, I I don't want there to be a a place specifically for people to post views that are maybe controversial to the the en masse view. What I'm trying to say is that, it kind of goes back to my electricity example, is people are drawing connections to things that aren't fully endorsing each other. Like, so for example, like the electricity thing, like this... This electricity company, Hydro One, pro- provides bu- provides electricity to this whole street. You don't like the building on the end because it's a clubhouse for something that you don't agree with. That, because they have their lights on, does not necessarily mean that Hydro One endorses them. Hydro One provides electricity. That's the end of the story, right there. And I think that, in terms of, like, the, the hosting example, like, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, with deplatforming people and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, hosting, like, especially if they're on their own thing... You as a host, yes, you have the legal right in general, I'm not a lawyer, but as far as I'm aware, you have the legal right to remove those people. What I'm saying is, is that even if people are making this connection, and it puts you in a bad space as a host, I don't think that you, as the hosting company, endorse said person. That person signed up for an account, you know, paid their bill, put their stuff up that person is not not being held as liable. And it's kind of like what you were saying, where YouTube and stuff is having the, the finger pointed. It's mm-hmm. like, now hang on a minute here. You got to remember this. YouTube and Google didn't produce this this content, didn't produce these comments. Pe- the host host or the hosting company did not produce this website. This other person did. And so if you look at it in terms of capitalism, and I know that's a an inf- inflammatory word these days, but if you look at it in terms of capitalism... Supply and demand. Really, if we as a society dislike this person's views, whatever they are, views they don't. We don't like their pictures. We don't like. We don't like whatever they are doing. That website will have less traffic, therefore less demand. So the supply has to go down, and then that's it. Now, some people will argue and say, like, well, that law doesn't necessarily apply, or maybe they're applying. They're they're supplying to a niche, and that's enough to sustain them, but we're at a point in which I don't think we can remove disgust. Like, how can you remove disgust from our lives? Like you're going to be disgusted by some things, you know, you know, do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I feel like we're trying to, to wash everything away that we don't like. And I don't agree with that necessarily. Like I, what I, what my overall argument, I think is that it's a slippery slope. Like we, in our Patreon, for example, and this is not a self plug, like we in our Patreon have a thing where you can post. It's in one of our tiers. You can literally post um, your we- your name and your website link. I believe it is. I have the actual tier, but I actually have a quote here from our thing that literally says, "quote We reserve the right to not post names and or links that we deem inappropriate at our discretion. For example, vulgarity or vulgar, violent, etc." And so, like, we are doing that, right? If someone contacts us and says, like, hey, I really want you to, like, po-, you know, I re- like, I, they become part of that tier member. Like, they become that tier, whatever that is. They purchase that tier. And then they come to us and they, say, and they say, like, hey, like, you know, post this website. And it's about, like, something really inappropriate. Just something, right? And we're like, whoa, like, I don't know about this. Even if it's not illegal, we reserve the right to stop it. And like, I wouldn't necessarily want to necessarily plug that on the podcast, right? I wouldn't necessarily want to plug that. Mm -hmm. Like, especially if it's something like one of those comments that's borderline, like on YouTube. Like if they're running a website that's borderline, it's like, whoa, stop. I'm not doing that. I'm not getting involved in that. Stop.
1: But so where's the line? Like that's my my question. Where's the line? Yeah, it's a very tough. It's it's a very tough question. I, I see where you're coming from in the sense where you want people to be able to voice their opinions. And I, I am of that camp as well. I think that all opinions should allow to be voiced. And I think that all opinions should have allowed to be communicated. Like I think there should be a communication back and forth for, for opinions. So if someone has a crazy opinion, that's not illegal or whatever, um, and that people are offended by it, it's not necessarily a reason to take it down. The problem is, is like you said, as soon as that opinion negatively affects the person, the people that are hosting that opinion, why would they not take it down? That's my question. Like if, like a regular normal person would not blame, would not fully blame like a a hosting platform or whatever for hosting a a terrible site, like something or not, not even a terrible site, but a, a, a very contrary opinion site, like a normal, you know, regular person, but As we know in society, it's just, it's filled with all the different types of people out there. And there are a lot of people that will take directly link that hosting platform to that site. So, what is the, like, and the, the, why would the hosting platform not just be like, okay, well, if you're linking, if you're linking it, I'm just going to kick it off because I, I also don't believe in this opinion as well. So I'm just going to kick it off. Like it's, it's a very, it would. It, how would you, like, let's say you were sitting in front of their, their CEO that's now negatively been negatively impacted by this random site on, on his hosting platform. You're sitting with him. How would you try to fight your point where like they're being monetarily affected? They have a board of directors. As you said, capitalism, they have a board of directors that are being negatively affected in their pockets for hosting a site that they not a single one of them believes is a good site. It's, it's, it would be like, I'm going to say right now, it would be absolutely impossible to convince them to keep that site on their platform unless it's illegal unless it's literally illegal to take it off because of some sort of new free speech law, which doesn't exist at this point. So I don't think that there is a solution to that problem unless, like I said, you create a free space area for any extremist or any moderate or anyone to talk about anything they want that doesn't have a monetary effect on anyone's pockets. Like as soon as something has a monetary effect on someone's pockets, that's it. Like throw any sort of like, Freeness or goodness out there, like or any sort of moderateness, like anything that like you know has any sort of relation to being like a normal, down to earth human being out there. Because there's always those people on every different spectrum just yelling at all times. So it's unfortunate, but I, I honestly don't think there's a solution to to that. Like I don't think we're ever going to see a situation where. That would happen and a company would be like, no, I, I don't care about our bottom line. We're going to leave it up there because we believe in free speech.
0: You you are correct. I, I, I don't – and to clarify, like I'm more – I think I'm more upset at the fact that people are pointing the finger at the host. I think that's yeah. more my thing. Like I'm – same you know yeah like honestly like i agree with like youtube having concern over these comments and that like i didn't even know about this until you brought it up that's why you did the web mm-hmm. news this week yeah. um youtube having concern over this i'd have concern over it as well and like in terms of in terms of uh capitalism you're right like you you want to maintain your company image and i'm not saying that youtube or google or whoever needs to hurt their own image i'm not I'm not saying that to be clear but Whenever I like to make arguments like this, I prefer to do it in the way of, let's look at the, let's look at how we would write this down on paper. Like, you know, we need to, there's a reason why laws have loopholes is because they're complex. And I like to, I like to make an argument or discuss these type of things in terms of a law, like how would the government handle this? Like they don't see the value in having YouTube channels be really quick, easy video things right? They don't, they don't, they don't I, don't, I don't, I don't think anyway, the government would see value in, like, if they come in to regulate YouTube, they're going to be like, well, these guys are just holding up a camera, doing a quick vlog, and then bang. They probably don't see that as a valuable piece of content, just in terms of a government thing. So as a result, they might apply a really strict law that just bans, like, just by association vlogs without any, like, any nefarious things in them. Vlogs get, like, hit just as, like, a collateral piece of collateral damage. And what I'm trying to say is, is, I think we need to be very careful about where the line is, because it's... It's, like, if we get a law in that ends up screwing people over, they have, like, unintended consequences. You know, it's hard to get that law removed, especially once the law is already in, and especially once people start putting it in practice. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to get to pull back. It... it it's, it's really... Like, this is a really, like, inflammatory thing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we've already pissed some people off. By,
1: oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Like, people are probably pissed off at us right now. But, yeah. like, don't, like, what I'm trying to say is, is, like, is like I'm, I'm fighting for what we should do in terms of the law. Like, that's why I'm trying to make this as ambiguous as possible. I'm saying, oh, a post, a comment. I'm not saying what the comment is. You know, whether it be something just generic that they're saying, whether it be something borderline illegal, something illegal, something political, I don't really care. The law is, is in my opinion, probably going to tackle this if it were to come in in a more general sense. And and one of the arguments I, I, I made before was some people were saying to me like, oh, like, you know, YouTube should be just like TV and YouTube should be regulated just like TV. It's like, okay, so say goodbye to half the creators on there.
1: Exactly. Because – So like, Say goodbye to the internet. Like if if that's that, – that that's kind of my – my thought process is like that is where the internet is going. Say goodbye to what we know as the internet today,
0: because like though a regular YouTuber is not going to have the money to have a team of lawyers and a team of like team of moderators, a team of reg a team of producers, a team of like people who who screen things, a team of this, a team of that, like and sure, maybe it's one person each, but each person not going to be able to hire two, three, four, five, six people, and they're going to make a vlog, let's say it's a daily vlog. What's that vlog always going to be delayed by three days is as to go through an approval process? Mm-hmm. So the vlog's just days old every time, and so now you, now tech YouTubers can't do things that are topical. So who, who's left? Oh yeah, the big boys again. You know the big the big old publications are back again. They they remain all the night all the uh, late night TV. They'll they'll be there. They already that that stuff's already screened for TV. You know some of it's for internet only, but they have the screening team. They can screen all that stuff. They can get stuff approved. They know what they're doing in that in that regard. The internet's supposed to be like, in my opinion, unkempt. There's lines in everything, of course. You know, there's too much of a good thing. There's too much of bad things. There's too much of everything. You can go too far with everything. You can go too far with good stuff, too far with bad stuff. I understand that. And like I said, we have our own thing where we'll be like, well, I ain't posting that. Like, you know, we reserve the right to say we ain't posting that. You know, that's just the way it is. And YouTube's doing that like that way one of the things that that really ticks me off about this adpocalypse stuff is i don't maybe this does happen like maybe this does happen with the general population but and and it's just because we're in tech that we understand it but me as a person that understands tech i do not associate samsung for example for example total speculation speculative example samsung releases an s10 ad on some sort of video said video has a really controversial topic, or maybe the video is fine and somebody comments on that page. So at the bottom of the page, comments something inappropriate that Samsung disagrees with me as a person viewing it. I never once said, Oh, Samsung must endorse this person's comment or Samsung must endorse what's being said here. This is not television. I do not associate Samsung with that person. Now, as Samsung, sure, if 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 they're seeing, like, you know, one YouTuber is constantly saying inappropriate things, and Samsung says, hey, I don't want to be on that guy's stuff, fair enough. But this is, it's every single time, it's an adpocalypse, because, like, thick ads start getting pulled, it just starts becoming chaos, like, people start pulling ads off right and center, because they're trying to save themselves. Because P, the court of public opinion is so swift. It's so swift. And what, all I mean, all I'm trying to say is, is maybe... regulating or not regulating maybe informing people and saying hey this is not like tv samsung didn't choose to be on this on this program you know samsung bought some ad space and a bot did some weird auction thing you know that's a whole that's a whole episode in itself did this weird ad auction thing and as a result of your cookies and ad id and all this all this crap they were just placed in front this is the internet this is not tv this is not broadcasting this is different. And I think we're trying to apply old laws to new things.
1: Yep. I, I you know what I agree with you. I think the old the old laws to new that, that's how I'm unfortunately seeing it too much. Like I'm seeing it too much in the in the respects of the real of the, you know, physical TV radio world. Um and I think you're right. I think there should be there should be a panel of very, you know, Important people in the in our industry made up and try to figure out a solution to this. Like, there has to be a solution that doesn't make the internet a, you know, controlled thing, a completely controlled thing where it's no longer a free open market like it is right now. Like I want the internet as it is right now to remain and only get better in the way it we're allowed to like, you know, transfer information back and forth and view content and stuff like that. I don't want it to get more locked down, which is where I think it's going. Like I don't, I very much, very strongly believe the unfortunate aspect of the internet going into a very closed platform. And I don't want that to happen. That's why I, that is my, I'll leave that as my, you know, ending comment. Like, let's do everything we can. If people are out there that are, have ideas, try to do anything you can to kind of like, you know, talk normally and, uh, you know, composed about those ideas. And let's try to get something together. Let's try to, you know, solve this issue as much as we can. I know our community is small um, and we might not be able to do much, but like, I just want as many people to know about this kind of thing happening as possible, because I, I understand the issues with the current internet right now, and I don't know how to solve them. But I also don't want to take the internet and just close it um, so there's gotta be something that we can do and yeah, that's that. I'll, I'll leave it there, uh, with this kind of topic though.
0: Well, with my, oh, I'll, I'll kind of do a closing statement then too, and I'll kind of bring it back mm-hmm. to web development. And then one of the reasons, main reasons why we had this as a part of our podcast, even though it is inflammatory and I'm sure some people are pissed off right now, but at the end of the day, if you're a web developer and you're a person that's going to make a YouTube like platform for somebody, maybe it's, you know, obviously it's going to be smaller at the beginning, whatever, whether it takes off or not, doesn't matter. You you as a developer come up with a thing where you're like, hey, people can comment on this, you know, I'm I you know, you're gonna code up a, an uploading system for a video, you know, a titling system, you're gonna maybe do a little video editor online, stuff like that. You're making essentially, let's just hypothetically say, the YouTube platform, like a, a competing platform. You as the web developer did not go, man, I'm gonna put a comment section in here so people can do nefarious content, and hopefully the stuff they upload is inappropriate. <laughs> Like really, like you're not gonna think that, but that this is gonna I affect you. So. But this is gonna—I mean, in general, right? I'm talking in general, in in general. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but like, hopefully, you're not gonna do that, and like, like, chances are, you're not gonna do that. But what if you? What if you get? What if you get thrown under the bus for it? Like, what happens if you make a blog? Like, you you literally make a blog for somebody, right? You make a blog website. You hook them up with WordPress, and you make the theme and the whole bit. And at the bottom, you put "powered by." you know, your website company, whatever it is. And then that person was originally supposed to be draw- like, talking about pets and then suddenly started talking about really inappropriate um, like political things or just like making the most inflammatory comments. Or maybe there's like a group of people that were just commenting inappropriate things on the regular pet posts. Is, are, is that you? Is that your problem? You're going to get attacked for that? Maybe. But I don't think that you as that web development company should. Same way that no, Google right. and that shouldn't. But I also, I also, to be clear, do not agree with those really fucked up comments. To me, I still think they're fucked up. To be clear.
1: Yep. That's what, yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's exactly why I think there has to be a different solution. But yeah.
0: And 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 the last thing to bring it into video games is, right now, if you make say something inappropriate to somebody else on a video game online, and you report it, and there's nothing corrupt going on, you will be banned for saying X inappropriate thing. Why is it? Why is it, like, right now that we can't do a similar thing? Like, why is it so inflammatory? Maybe it's due to the volume. I don't know. I'm asking. I'm not trying to say anything. But, like, right, like, like, shouldn't a reporting system just work fine? Like, hey, there's some inappropriate stuff going on in this comment section. You know, you're, it gets a few reports. Maybe it gets ten reports. So, it gets hidden, but the person doesn't get in trouble. Someone reviews it eventually. Says, oh, yeah, these are inappropriate. Person gets banned or gets suspended. Maybe that's what maybe that's what needs to happen. It it they do kinda have that. Uh but uh, p- people are saying and I've I've been reading off and on
1: about what, what's going on and that um YouTube's reporting system isn't very good. So they need to they need to improve that and I fully agree. Uh I don't think the problem is, is I don't think they'll ever be able to remove everything hundred percent because, you know, someone will find a way to only be in a smaller section of of the YouTube video or something like that. And people won't be reporting it. Um, but you're like, they can improve. And I think they will after, after what's happened, they for sure will improve because not only, um, the, the problem was not only did, you know, you, you could potentially, someone could link you the video, but what happens is if you watched one of these videos, just one, and you accidentally clicked in a comment link or something like that your youtube the youtube algorithm will then only show you those videos as well in your like comment your your next video feed your autoplay feed and then all those videos that it was showing you were videos that had you know weird shit about children on on the actual video and then in comments about all that crap that like we I don't even want to talk about like youtube's algorithm was actually helping them have a bigger community so YouTube has to take care of that kind of stuff. Nothing, like, for sure they need to fix that. But even if they do fix that, if they fix all of that, in the background, not in the public eye anymore, because that's the problem with what's happened now, I guess. But in the background, there will always be those people that do those comments and stuff like that. And they might not even use YouTube, they'll use other sites. Like, that's a whole other systemic problem that I don't, that's the problem. I can't see being fixed and could lead to the internet closing. Like if it becomes more and more evident to people and like, you know, the government legislatures start seeing stuff like this happening, like they'll start freaking out.
0: The thing with the government too is, is it's a slippery slope in that way, because if yeah. the government gets involved and starts regulating everything, they can also choose what you get to see. And if a yeah. certain, whether you live in a democracy or not, if a certain party gets into let's in canada let's just use canada if canada a certain party gets in here so right now we're run by the liberal party of canada federally if they are the ones that take control and they start censoring things they could i'm not saying they're going to but they could start just kind of shoving leftist ideas into everybody so that they get in again now we have like oh wait a second here what's going on and then they could argue they could argue oh well we think that leftist ideas are the best, and we're censoring the internet so that people don't have to deal with the other stuff. They could do that, and the same could go with left, right, centrist, doesn't frickin' matter. Whoever, it, if, like, any system is corruptible, but government is so big and slow, you know what I mean? Like, regardless of where you live, you know, that could happen, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But... Yep. Uh, this, this has been a pretty, uh, pretty toxic episode. I think probably one of our more controversial ones, not, not toxic. We're not like we're like screaming at each other, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, this is a, this is a, an episode of it's a co- tough topic. It's a tough topic. Like there's no other way to tough. really describe it. Mm-hmm. Please let us know. Actually. Uh, I'd like to know your comments. Please don't make any, any inappropriate comments. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so like, like let it's us know concrete. on like Instagram or Twitter or something. You know, what you think, what you think this should be, because this is a, this is a conversation. I think these type of conversations that Mike and I just had, obviously on a massively small scale, are things that we need to just generally have. Stop, don't be screaming and yelling and freaking out. Like, no outraging. Just, all right, let's figure out what's going on here. Like, just do like what any anything else would do. Okay, what's happening and what, for what reason, why, let's have a discussion. You know, let's meet in the middle, maybe, whatever it is. So just, yeah, send us some stuff, maybe on social if you're, or tweet at us or message us or however the heck all that stuff works. You know how it works. Um, and let us know your opinion on that. Cause this is a really like, this has definitely been our longest web news, I think. Um, and definitely most controversial. Um, I think I'm done arguing about that though. We're not arguing again, no, but not like, I think I'm, that's my, that's my piece. I want things to remain the way they are, but not be weird. <laughs> it's essentially where I sit. Um, do you have any more comments, Mike, or I'm going to run this conclusion runner up Alrighty, well thank you for listening and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice you can follow us on the socials via at html all the things on facebook and instagram at html everything on twitter You're, we are also on medium where mike wrote that article we are also on github make sure you fo- you check out our patreon page which is patreon.com slash all the things check out the tiers give that a go Feel free to comment and leave a platform on the, or leave a review, sorry, on the platform you are listening to this on, and we are signing off.